The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, Austin wins silverware while simultaneously losing to the worst team in the Western Conference. Austin FC2 move on to the next round of the MLS Next Pro Playoffs. Uh, we have a few other pieces of Austin FC news to cover. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined once again by Mike Crignola. Mike, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, thanks for thanks for letting me come back, Landon. Uh, I've been telling everyone how excited I was to talk about soccer uh, for the first time. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't mess it up. We got to go to a concert together last night, kind of accidentally. We... We independently bought tickets to the same concert on the same row, two seats away from each other. Uh, so once we figured that out, we kind of made it like a little date night. But uh, that yeah. was it was it was a very nice, nice evening. Uh, we went it was at the the beautiful Paramount Theater. Really great venue. If you ever get a chance to go see something there. And is kind of a it was a nice evening where it was people four people together who know each other through soccer stuff but we didn't talk about soccer once all night and that was great i think last year i kind of realized how much of my life that all of the soccer stuff had kind of taken over and so at a certain point i started making a conscious effort to kind of like make make more space for other things in my life that used to kind of be the things that I did or things that make me happy or were kind of like the main things that made me happy. And I realized those <laughs> kind of things kind of got pushed out for this, this new soccer life that I have. And uh, last night was one of those things. There's like a, a band I really enjoyed with people I really enjoyed. And so that was, that was beautiful and a, a good reminder. And I would encourage other Austin FC fans to, to do the same thing, especially in a season like this, right? Like, find things that that make you happy and like there's i know there's going to be different levels of investment in the team and different ways of being a fan and different ways of kind of putting yourself into the community and into the team but check in with yourself and make sure that that you're being a fan in a way that's good for you and and for your circle and for your people uh just yeah just make sure that uh you're you're not being mean to yourself by being a soccer fan <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny you say that because that was actually the second show we had been to this weekend, uh, Steph and myself. And the first show we went to, uh, we saw a whole bunch of people from the Austin FC community, and it was super cool to see everybody. And then just talk about how excited we were for the thing that was happening that night. Uh, you know, we we went out to see Death Cab for Cutie and the Postal Service. There was a whole contingent of folks that we've met through the soccer community uh, there. And it was really neat to like see people outside of Austin game days, uh, even though it was an Austin game day and I was wearing my Austin FC jersey. You know, we were talking about uh, the band and how excited we were to be there and uh, the absolute nightmare that it is to drive out Dakota, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it was a reminder that like everyone that we know through this is a multifaceted person with like other things and other interests. And it was a really nice, healthy reminder, you know? Yeah. Be kind to yourself, folks. Uh, all right. Let's talk about 
this week's soccer. <laughs> now, now is the time. We have to talk about soccer now. We, we get to, Landon. We get to. We're blessed. So uh, we're going to kind of shake up the order this time. I know like some of these games, there's not as much to talk about. There's not as many stakes, but also more stakes at the same time. So we're going to kind of mess with the the format of the show. We're going to start with the Colorado game. We'll talk a little bit about uh, some thoughts some more like macro thoughts that the Colorado game brings up. And then we're going to go into an article from the athletic that talks about the playoff format and how it very much resonated with, with us as Austin FC fans. And so there's some uh, interesting thoughts we have on that. And then we're going to spend some time on Austin FC two in the, in the last segment, because they are in the playoffs right now and doing quite well. And so that's uh, something to, to be excited about and something that deserves a bit more time than just a few minutes here at the top. So we're going to save the last segment for them right now. We're going to jump into Colorado review. As I mentioned in the opening, Austin FC won silverware on the same <laughs> night that they got beat by the Colorado Rapids. Yeah. You're not focusing on the right thing. Austin FC is the greatest team in Texas. <laughs> uh, we won Copa Tejas and we deserved it. And there should be no questions asked. Uh, Landon, I know you uh, had a take on Copa Tejas, and I just want to know if you might uh, want to uh, clarify for everyone what that take has always been. Yeah, what we've always said every time we've talked about Copa Tejas on the show is that it's the most important competition in America, really, in North America, uh, and it's the only thing I've ever cared about. And so I don't care if we make the playoffs or not. Like we won Copa Tejas fair and square. No, no <laughs> doubts through no, our own merits. No weird rules nope. leading we, to this we at all. We picked ourselves. Yeah, we picked ourselves up by our bootstraps and grabbed that trophy, baby, just and because we deserved it and we wanted it the most. Kicked Texas in the butt with those boots. That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's feel it feels a little hollow, doesn't it? To nope. <laughs> to, <laughs> it, dude, to, honestly, here's the deal. Like to me, the baseline for a successful Austin FC season is: did they play 34 matches? Did we win Copa Tejas? Everything else after that is gravy. And Fair so enough. for me, uh, I and and this is legitimately something that I have always said. Uh, ever since Copa Tejas came out, that is <laughs> literally the only thing that I have cared about. Uh, everything else above that is stuff to strive for. But those are the two things that should be a given every single year. I don't care how we win it. I don't care what the rules are. I don't care how fun. I don't care that we lost twice to both of those teams. <laughs> and only beat both of those teams once. We did it the best, and we deserve this trophy. I I know a friend of the show, Chris Wellhausen, has said the same thing. Like Kova Teos is his first priority, and so I'd be curious to check in with him and see if he still feels the same this year. Uh, <laughs> Austin FC, after that result came through, so it was it ended up a, a nil nil draw between Houston and Dallas, led to us winning. Copa Teos, the night that we lost to Colorado. Yeah, Austin because FC, they didn't want it. Neither of those want teams it. wanted it bad <laughs> enough to go out and get one freaking goal. So Austin FC's Twitter account posts that the Kevin James King of Queens meme with the where he's standing in the kitchen with his hands in his pockets and that stupid grin on his face. <laughs> and I know this rubbed a lot of Austin fans the wrong way because of the context that it was in. But I thought this tweet was so funny. 
Yeah, I I love this tweet. I think it's the perfect like uh, I was describing it beforehand as feeling like uh, wish.com gym face <laughs> from the office where you're like, you know, you know, everyone knows, you know, and you're acknowledging that, you know, and you're like, eh. like, <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it. I, I think the Austin FC social accounts as as good as all of like the photo and video content is, I think like the fun stuff like this doesn't happen as much from, from the social admins and sort of see just like kind of a silly moment like this made me happy. Uh, all right, let's jump into the game here. So Austin FC lose one nil to Colorado Rapids. It was kind of a pitiful game to watch. Austin dominated possession but was at the same time never really threatening uh they i think it was 13 shots to six in favor of austin uh, but not a lot of dangerous ones i think austin played in 32 crosses during the course of this game most of them unsuccessful it's just like playing it onto the forehead of a tall colorado player over and over and over you know, the, another match where we sent in 30 crosses uh, at home against Violette. But, you know, similar similar feelings walking away from that one. We, we won that game, so maybe they were trying to recreate it. <laughs> um, then expected goals ended 1.1 to 0.9 in favor of Austin. But I did the math here and about almost 0.9 of the 1.1 XG all come in the span of a few seconds where Will Bruin gets uh, a header from about five or six yards out, a strong header. It hits the keeper in the face. The, the, the keeper does well to stand his ground, but has no chance to react or do anything. Hits him right in the forehead, bounces back. There's a scramble. Um, it falls to Fodre kind of on the outside of the box. He hits it just blind over the top of his head and it falls into the box to Rigoni. He gets a header. It's a pretty a pretty well taken header too, and the, yeah. the keeper does well to get a hand on it. That, that save rebound, to me is the save of the match. Like yeah, that, it was good. That saves the 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 match for Colorado because, man, that was a that was a reaction move, right? Yeah, and then that rebound falls to Bruin from like three four yards out. There are two defenders in front of him, so there's still work to do, and he tries to roof it far side of the goal. When I I think like a side foot dink near side to the left there would have been enough. And he blasted over the bar and like the really the only proper chance we get all night and he wastes it. So Landon, as someone who has mastered the, uh, the roofing it goal, (laughs) what would your, uh, what would your advice be to striker? Will Bruin? Be be closer to the goal when you hit it that high. <laughs> <laughs> because That's the I'll, only thing I did different. Yeah, literally all I could think of was you describing your goal uh, in the run of play and that goal uh, chance, like kind of superimposed on each other. Yeah, the only difference is about a yard and a half. I was just closer. <laughs> and so it didn't have as much space to get out. But yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. What I loved about the end of that sequence 
was CJ running over to pick Will Bruin up right away. Yeah. Uh, I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but like you could tell uh, that CJ had been playing with a team that's been winning all season. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that mentality shift between Will Bruin falling to his knees and CJ running over to be like, man, he almost had it. Like that difference, I think, was very on display in that moment. Yeah, uh, let's we'll talk about CJ again here in a bit. Let's go through the lineup real quick. Uh, so Drew C unavailable, Zardes unavailable, and then Uruti also, correct? Not on the bench at all? Correct. Uh, he was not on the injury report, though, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, so we I ended mean, up he getting... was at a concert with Drew C the night before. Uh, maybe he was sleepy. Resaka. <laughs> I'll let y'all look that one up on Google Translate. Um, so we end up getting Stu Ringel, Nick Lima at uh, right back slash flex center back. Cascante and Vicenin is the other center backs. And it was to give context here. The shape ended up being defend, defending in a 4-4-2, attacking in that box midfield like the 3-2-2-3. And so... Um, the back four in defense was Lima, Cascante, Vison, and Gallagher. And then in defense, the the middle line there was uh let's see, how did this work out? Pereira and Valencia being, as the center yeah. midfielders, Owen Wolf as the left midfielder, Finley as the right midfielder, and then Ragoni and Ring as the kind of pressing forwards. And then as we shifted into the attack, Gallagher would push up and become that left winger. Uh, Pereira and Valencia would be the deeper midfielders. Alex Ring and Owen Wolf would be the attacking midfielders. And you had Ragoni as the striker and Finley as the right wing player. Um, Yeah, it's again, like, I don't know what else there is to say. It was, we had a lot of the ball, played it too slow sometimes, had some poor movement, were unable to when we got into good positions, either the movement or the lack of speed of play or a bad pass would kill it. And we'd end up having to play it backwards or just players weren't seeing a run or players weren't making a run. And it was just kind of the epitome of what has gone wrong this season. I feel like, did you see anything different than that? Uh, what I did not see was Ethan Finley. And then I didn't literally watching this match. I didn't realize that he was on the field until the announcers even were like, you know, whose name we haven't said tonight, Ethan Finley. I wonder what he's doing. And like that level of completely shut out of the game seemed to be a lot of what this like frustration was for Austin. Like when you're playing effectively, 10 on 11 in like involvement, you're not going to have created enough width to, to give this system the room to breathe that it needs. And you know, uh, it's really hard to win. It's really hard to score and it's really hard to do well when you just don't include all the pieces of the attack. Yeah, and there's several moments where he had space over there and all it needed was like that diagonal switch to him 
and people weren't looking or were afraid to hit it or uh, would try something else. And we get the ball over to Gallagher wide left. And uh, Kevin Morris posted a few videos on Twitter over the last couple of, couple of days where Gallagher would receive and there'd be players on like on the the back line, like with Colorado's defensive line kind of moving backwards with three or four players along that line. And that's a pretty good position to be in, right? And either the player wasn't making the run or if they did make the run, the ball wasn't coming. And those are the moments that like in this system, you need to take advantage of those moments. And we just not confident enough to not interested in doing it, not looking for it, a combination of all of those things. But yeah, it felt like the one, the one move from defense into the attacking third was Danny Pereira dribbling and then passing out wide to galley. And that was it. And anything else that happened, like, was as a result of that play breaking down and then the ball bouncing awkwardly off Colorado. And then all of a sudden, uh, Alex ring would find himself with the ball and like it would get recycled. (sighs) Yeah. Um, let's talk about Colorado's goal. The only goal of the game real quick. So this is from Max Zoo. They're big. I think he's Danish. Maybe the center back gigantic. I didn't realize how big he was. And I know we've seen him play and just watching him body John Gallagher on this goal uh, really reminded me of how enormous he is. Yeah. So it's uh, a corner. Gallagher is marking him on the far post on this corner. And my one of my first questions is, why is Gallagher marking this guy? But they have like three or four pretty big guys. And so you kind of have to pick your poison there. Uh, and so maybe put Gallagher on the one farthest away from the ball. I don't I don't know what the logic is there, but there's going to be a short guy covering a big guy no matter what you do. And so he's uh, marking Maxu on the replay. You look and when the ball comes in. A lot of times when we give up these goals, it's because someone loses a mark. A guy is just faster than someone on this goal. Everyone's matched up. Everyone has yeah. their body on a player. And I think like in Gallagher's mind and everyone else's mind, they're like, Hey, we did it. We're going to get this one. (laughs) But Gallagher wasn't really watching the ball and Maxu was. And so Gallagher kind of, they kind of like have, it's like a wrestling like lock, right? Where they each have their hands on the shoulders and are facing each other. But Maxu is facing the goal and sees the ball coming in and just sticks his foot out and lets the ball fall onto his foot and pokes it in, into that, that uh, back post there. And Gallagher's just like, looks stunned that like i i had him i was i was stopping <laughs> I him from winning a header yeah. he wasn't gonna win a header yeah it it looked to me like if i can't remember if it was nick lima or uh johan valencia but w- it was one of the two of them was going up for the header valencia is the one who jumped take the ball out and if he had two inches yeah uh that ball is cleared right and gallagher had done everything uh except sticking the foot out you know uh johan just didn't have the height on it julio was locked in with his guy uh so that his guy didn't you know get the header first it was like every single thing except maybe half a step uh is what separates us on that goal yeah i i would love to talk to like a set piece specialist about why Austin FC is so bad at this. And like, I think (laughs) size is part of it, but 
there's got to be something else that like I just don't know enough to see. Have you considered uh, curses? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I mean I wouldn't rule it out this year. Um, what are there any other like standout moments or notes you have about the game? Yeah, I I had a couple of notes about the second half because I texted you during the first half of watching this match and just was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> uh, it was a it was a brutal first half of this game. Uh, the second half picked up. Uh, I thought I thought we came out with a better. Uh, a better look like we actually were, you know, uh, trying to make things happen. And it seemed like the energy was up and that was good to see. And I, my first note was like, as we are getting into the final third in the second half, it's like they do a full team rotation. And all of a sudden it's like first half team comes back in. And for example, in the 68th minute, like we've got numbers uh, in the attack. Everybody is pushed up and the ball comes out to Johan Valencia, who I think had one of his best games. Again, it seems like the more reps he's getting, the better he is becoming. I thought he was awesome, except in this one moment where it seems like his brain just completely turns off. Uh, he receives the ball at the top of the box and probably 10, 15 seconds go by where he's just standing there. <laughs> you know, when you're playing FIFA against like a uh, low level uh, difficulty yeah. and like you just stop moving and all the computer players stop moving and everything <laughs> just like pauses a second. It was like somebody unplugged Valencia's controller. I just, <laughs> I don't know how to like, how to frame what I'm looking at. Uh, other than everyone had a glitch at the same time. And then nobody made the run to like open a space up. And so he just kind of like Waited. has no choice but to play a through <laughs> ball to no one. And then we turn it over. Yeah, I, it's uh, is anything. Any other notes before we move on to maybe a couple of player notes? Yeah, uh, it seemed like. After that Will Bruin miss, everyone just decided, oh, we're going to shoot now. We're going to shoot until we score because doing the thing that we're supposed to do hasn't gotten us the goal that we're supposed to have. What if we just rocket balls in from everywhere? Yeah. And it's it's like you, in a moment like that with your back against the wall, you want to see a little bit of like desperation and like more ambition, but I think this is maybe the wrong kind, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, on the one hand, I was excited to see someone shooting and on the other hand, not that shot. Right. Yeah. You'd rather it be maybe like, uh, like an ambitious one, two, or like an ambitious little wall pass thing where you're trying to do like combination that is a little risky, but the reward is the higher, but instead it's just like, we're going to cross harder and farther <laughs> yeah. away and yeah, maybe we're gonna take rip, a shot sometimes. Yeah. We're going to rip a bunch of shots from 20 yards out and see what happens. Uh, and like, you know, there's always the Nick Lima 20 yarder that uh, you're hopeful one day, one of these goes in and we can like storm the field together. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know that tonight was going to be that, that night for him. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. want to talk. Sorry, go ahead. 
No, that I was gonna say those were kind of the like overarching general uh general thoughts I had about the game. It's like we would do the plan until somebody would glitch, and then uh at the end we just threw everything out and like went for broke, and that didn't work either. So curses. Yeah. I wanted to talk about CJ Fodre a little bit. He was I think he was one of the one of the highlights of the night. I think he had a a decent outing. It wasn't like all great, but had some some fun little moments, including one that led to that last shot we talked about before. Uh, he had that rookie energy in him where he's like, doesn't know that he should be nervous right now, <laughs> which is great. Like, I love seeing that. Do you think I, I've seen some people posit that this is proof that CJ Fodre should have been playing more earlier. Are you in that camp or what? what's, what's your view on that? I uh, I am incredibly patient with young players getting playing time for multiple reasons. I think I was ready to see CJ on a loan to a USL team probably earlier than most from his uh FACito days. Yeah. I was I was ready to see him go out to San Diego, maybe at the start of the season. I thought that was going to be the plan, right? I thought we we get this guy in the draft, we send him back home, he gets a whole year of seasoning, he comes back next year ready to compete for a first-team starting spot. Uh, because, you know, looking at our contracts, right, we came into this year thinking we had a decent number of wingers. Uh, and so that was kind of where my head was at. When it became apparent that that wasn't the case uh, and he was going to be here all year, I was fine with him staying in the second team, playing as many minutes as he could get uh, to like break through that first year call, like first year out of college player wall. Right. We saw it with Danny. We saw it uh, to a lesser extent this year with Kip with like injury uh, where these college players aren't used to playing the amount of games that they have to as a pro. Yeah. And so I, I have been really patient with CJ's first year with us. Uh, I have not been in the, we need to play him right away camp, but I have been in the, we could use him now that he's here camp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I like that against Colorado was encouraging because we hadn't really seen an extended amount of minutes of him playing against MLS competition. Granted, it was like lower level MLS competition, but he looked like he he didn't look so far below the level that he can't do it. And so I I'm I still don't believe that like had we been playing CJ more for the last five or six games that we would have one more of them. I still think the problems are bigger than one player getting a few minutes. Uh, but it is encouraging. And it like, it lets us know that like he, like he can do it. And like, if nothing else, he does have uh, he, a profile that's much different than anyone else on the first team. So like fast, aggressive, direct winger. He's also got size. You can use him as a target and kind of play longer balls to him. He strikes the ball really well. Uh, like hits good crosses, hits good shots. And so that all is encouraging. And I'm excited to see if he can get some more minutes, but um, I am still, yeah, I still kind of fall in the same camp as you where I'm not going to get 
too excited about a player so young that we've still seen so little of, uh, but encouraging nonetheless. Yeah, I wonder, is the camp who's like, why hasn't CJ played more? Is that a camp of people who think the season has been done for far more games than I have? You know what I mean? Yeah, I it's think like a... uh, in in baseball, we we would always have this like youth movement uh, rallying cry from people whose teams were under 500 at the all star break. Right. Like, yeah, we know we're trash. Play the kids, see what we have, uh, see which are assets for trades and which ones we're going to build around in the future. Right. Uh, I I think that that might be more of the uh, CJ crowd is like this is a lost season. Let's have him taking up minutes to see what his potential is. I think, I think there's some of that, but there's also uh, a crowd that's like, we've tried everything else. So we might as well, which I sure. like, I like, I see the point of the camp you described. I very much disagree with the second camp that I mentioned where it's like, well, we've tried everything else. So we might as well. It's like, no, that's not like just trying something different. Doesn't mean it's good. There's like a large enough body of knowledge to know that if the first team players aren't good and you take players from a lower level of soccer and throw them in just like there's some people just like any Austin FC two player, just let them play. It was like, there's a reason they're playing in MLS next pro and not MLS. Like, a lot of these guys played for other teams and couldn't hack it there either. And so I very much disagree with that camp, but I, I see the, I see the point of the camp you described where it's like, Hey, it doesn't matter anymore. Let's just like, yeah, let's let the kids play. Let them get a taste of it. See what we have, see who's worth developing more. Um, I, I will counter your distaste for the second uh, hypothetical camp of people with the documentary D2, the Mighty Ducks 2, <laughs> where a bunch of poor kids from Minneapolis go on to win Junior Worlds, Landon. Uh, it's a very famous Disney documentary. You may have heard of it. Uh, <laughs> and Touché, the, the, Mike. the central crux of this is that, like, you know, those kids just hadn't had a chance to prove it yet. And so maybe that's that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, none of none of the kids who for Austin FC two have played for multiple other teams and ended up here have ever gotten a chance to prove anything. I'm just saying, what if one of them has a knuckle puck? <laughs> good, good point. Where are our Bash <laughs> brothers? Okay, uh, so I think this this leads us to um, an ever present point, but I I think any manager are we going to have the wolf out conversation now, Landon? I don't like I I've said on the show how bored I am of it, but like until we win a game, it's still relevant. And like any I think other... even once we win a game, it will still be relevant because yeah. like any, you know, any knuckle puck can go in the net. Uh, no, yeah, that's at this point, it's relevant no matter what happens. <laughs> but there was a, a stretch five or seven games ago where it maybe wouldn't have been. But like. How many managers when you're in 13th place and have not won a game in 10 games would still have a job, right? Yeah. Like how, regardless of what you think about like why things are going wrong, how much of the blame falls on Wolf, like it's almost irrelevant at this point. Like yeah. 
it's like it's almost like a, an example needs to be made kind of when you get to this level. And Kevin Morris tweeted something the other day that I thought was a really good point that like Rodolfo Burrell came in saying that like, yeah, part of the reason I came here was because of Josh Wolf and the style of play that he's building in Austin FC. And if he wasn't here doing that, I wouldn't have come. And there's a uh, part of uh, a recent athletic article. Felipe Cardenas mentions that saying like, yeah, he talked a big game, but like, we're going to find out here in a few games or at the end of the season, like, does he still believe that? And Kevin Morse's tweet said, if Roto keeps Wolf at this point, then he is really on the side of quote, damn Claudio F you over, man. Very few managers would survive a season like this. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's really where it falls at this point is if Josh Wolf makes it to the end of the season and then makes it to next season, Rodolfo Burrell really believes in what he's capable of as a coach and really believes that Claudio Reyna did a terrible job building a roster. Yeah, it it's almost unfathomable to me that that will happen. Like it's, conceptually, uh, I have yeah. never I will never have like seen something like that happen before it's yeah i mean it's like i'm not gonna say it's not gonna happen but it almost seems yeah like you said unfathomable that he keeps his job at this point but because of all these quotes we have from burrell maybe that's what's gonna happen like maybe he's saying yeah i think this guy with the right players can do something good and to, I'm gonna, to extend I'm gonna the metaphor uh a little bit here this would be if if Josh Wolf starts Austin FC's 2024 season as the manager of this team, he will have successfully pulled off the tri triple deke, right? Like this is it. This is this is the once in a lifetime Disney uh, documentary of like sports coaches. I something, don't understand something something Gordon Bombay. Quack, yeah, quack, yeah, quack. yeah. Uh, like, yeah, even Gordon Bombay wouldn't have been able to continue uh, leading <laughs> leading the Ducks if this were his season. So it's just. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's gonna, I, very... I have my money on not my money. Obviously, I'm too, uh, too scared, but I have my thoughts that Wolf will be given through the end of the season and then let go in the offseason. Graciously. Uh, yeah, I mean, that seems like the most likely outcome at this point, but who knows, man? <laughs> yeah, crazier things have happened, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I think we should take a break. We'll come back and we're going to talk about uh, that athletic article talking about the MLS playoff format. And we'll kind of combine that into our previews for the next two games. And then after that, in the last segment, we're going to come back and talk about Austin FC2 and their continuing playoff run. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Moontower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FBF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FBF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FBF.law to find out what makes FBF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FBF.law. Landon, do you think if I ask in official Moontower uh, ad copy if Steph and I can get a dogs of fbf law calendar it'll happen 
maybe it's a good shot. I, I have some emails I can pass you that could maybe be more effective in getting that. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I just love dogs so much. And I love that they put this little secret calendar out. And I'm always so jealous of y'all. It's part of y'all's brand, too. Right. I've got the dog calendar on my wall here. Look at this. Look at September. Show me October. This is Leopold on September. And we've got Simba on October wearing a little bandana there. Simba's amazing. I would would fight anyone for Simba. Amplify Credit Union is a member-owned financial cooperative that served the needs of Central Texans for over five decades. Amplify's team lives and works in the community, making them the experts on how members can achieve their financial goals. What makes Amplify different? No bank fees. Amplify is the first federal institution in Texas to put an end to bank fees. In 2022, Americans paid almost $8 billion in overdraft fees alone. Millennials pay an average of $336 a year in bank fees which works out to six Austin FC game tickets per person per year. You'll pay none of those bank fees with Amplify Credit Union. Or six lawn seats at the Postal Service concert from what you told me. That's true. (laughs) Amplify membership is open to any Texas resident. Learn to trust your bank again at Amplify Credit Union. To learn more, go to www.goamplify.com slash moontower. And what can they find there? Yeah, we're offering free parking at their Esperanza branch, minutes away from the stadium for any Moon Tower listener. Visit the website and provide your email address and details about your car for free parking. You'll need to RSVP so that Amplify's facilities team knows not to tow your car. Our premier sponsor, McGuire Woods Consulting, helps companies and nonprofits navigate the political process in the Texas capital and also at the city and national level through lobbying, communication strategies, and general advocacy. With offices across the country and in 10 MLS cities, including Austin, Houston, and Dallas, McGuire Woods Consulting is solidly verde and black. Learn more about our friends at McGuire Woods Consulting at mwcllc.com. All right, we are back. We are going to preview Austin FC's last two home games of the season. But before we jump into that, I wanted to bring up this athletic article. This is by Paul Tenorio and other members of the athletic soccer staff. But the the portion I'm going to focus on, I think, was mostly written by Paul Tenorio. And uh, the title of it is Expanded MLS Playoff Format Puts the League at Risk of Complacency. And so kind of the crux of this is that MLS by expanding the playoffs so much, I think part of, I mean, a part of the the idea was giving Apple TV more game inventory, right? More, more exciting games to put on TV, more eyeballs, more money. That's the main point. But I think also by getting more teams into the playoffs, you have more fan bases, more cities, more teams engaged for longer throughout the season. And Paul's point in this article is that maybe that's kind of backfired a little bit because like by making it so easy to get into the playoffs, the stakes are lower and less people care about it. And there's a quote here that says anywhere else uh, talking about sporting Kansas city who lost or failed to win in its first 10 games of the season. Can you imagine 10 games without winning a game? That's crazy. Who would do that? (laughs) But there's a quote like a team ripe for a comeback story and a documentary. (laughs) So he says, 
anywhere else in the world, that form is fatal. In MLS, it's shrug worthy. If a fan knows their team can fail to register its first win until May, like Sporting Kansas City did, or can win one game from July 8th to October 1st, like DC United, and still have a playoff shot, why should they bother tuning in or showing up until the final weeks? And it's a very good question. And another part of the article, he poses the question, if you went to fans of teams fighting for the eighth and ninth playoff spots, I wonder how many of them would want their teams to sneak into the playoffs rather than face the consequences of poor seasons. And I feel like this line is very apt for Austin FC fans at this moment. Uh, I imagine there are some fans not imagine. I know there are some fans who would almost rather us miss the playoffs as kind of a punishment. I don't necessarily fall into that camp, but I, I think I do fall into the camp of like, I don't really care if we make the playoffs because I don't believe that we could actually do anything once we got there. Yeah. I, I am a big proponent of spots eight and nine are not making the playoffs. Only the team that wins and gets to play in the best of three series is a playoff team. Uh, I, that's semantics though. You, you, yes. your season isn't over if you're in ninth place. Yeah. But it playoffs haven't started until you're playing that series is okay, the way whatever. my brain works. Right. <laughs> uh, and so like, which goes to show you just how diluted the goals are. Right. If, if someone who is unabashedly as homery as they come, uh, and like I am, and I still can't be excited about finishing eighth or ninth. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a statement to Paul's point in the article of like, who is this for other than, uh, Apple and MLS ownership, right? Uh, and when you look at the Eastern conference, the eight and nine slots right now are held by New York and Montreal, New York City FC and Montreal. And neither of those teams has a winning record. Both of those teams are under 500 on the year. If we somehow win out and make it into the ninth spot in the playoffs in the Western Conference, we will have done so without a winning record this year. Yeah. And so like, it's it's a problem that we make fun of other sports leagues for having where these terrible teams will sneak into the playoffs and then get demolished in the first round. And it hasn't always felt like that for MLS. It's felt like, oh, the seven seed could conceivably beat the two seed. And like, does that sometimes. could happen. Yeah. Um, you know, last year was the first year that two one seeds met in the final in forever or whatever like it's super duper rare for that to happen and i think what this ends up doing is codifying that a little bit more that like yeah you you made this extra one game or you made this extra three games or four games or however deep you run in that first round but you were still a garbage team that didn't deserve to be there yeah. And another point that Paul makes in the article is that like front offices will use that to say like, this was a satisfactory season to say like, yeah, okay, we're made when ninth place. We made it to the playoffs. Or even if you win that game and lose the next one to say like, that's good enough. 
when that's that's my biggest worry and that was my biggest worry when this when this playoff structure was announced that like they would use this for complacency's sake to be like we we gave you a playoff team what more do you want yeah. it's like well you know a good team yeah because <laughs> yeah because not everyone in the playoffs is good and right yeah uh all right so we are technically still in the playoff hunt we are six <laughs> points out of ninth place where fc dallas still holds that that last spot in the door and so i mean it is still possible for us to sneak into that nine spot it does it feel likely no it doesn't at all because we're playing uh, let's jump into the previews here we're playing dc united on wednesday 7 30 p.m here in austin DC has one win in their last 10, but they have a few more draws than Austin does. They're sitting in 10th place, but only two more games. So they, they've played more games than most at this point. Uh, Christian Benteke, a name a lot of fans will know, even if you're new to MLS, has scored 14 goals for them, including four in their last two games. They have a couple of young players that have come on here late in the season in uh, Teddy Pietro and then uh, Pirani. I can't remember his first name. Um, that are not super consistent, but have, have been exciting in moments this season. This team is not that good, have been poor in the last little stretch of games, but they're motivated. They they do have a pretty solid chance of sneaking into those last spots. And so um, also they, they've got a giant striker who's really dangerous in the box, which is a thing that uh, doesn't bode well for Austin. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Do you know anything about the culture at DC right now around the the spectacle that is uh, Wayne Rooney, the coach? Um, is there any sort of insight into that other than, you know, he's Wayne Rooney, the character, and there's a lot of there's a lot of press around him all the time. Like, are the players motivated to play for him or I don't I haven't heard much about it, which is maybe a good thing for them. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, it it may be a a case of me not paying as much attention to the East Eastern conference, but I feel like it's been kind of quiet as far as like what that looks like recently, which is maybe a, a good thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, I also hadn't heard anything. And so I was wondering if that was like my little, my little bubble, not including Wayne Rooney in it. Uh, but it seems like, there's like uncertainty about his future at the club. And so uh, not enough to, to drive a whole lot of, you know, dysfunction and turmoil coming into Austin, but uh, at least an open question for him. Yeah. So Austin has three games left here, DC this Wednesday, LAFC on Saturday. Then there's a two week break and we play San Jose in the last day of the season, this DC one is the most winnable game, right? Like to have yeah. a lower table team from the East coming to town playing at Q2. Like this is, if you're going to win one, I know I like, we probably need to win more than one to make, the, not probably, we definitely need to win more than one to make the playoffs. Like this is the one, like if we don't win this one, like I still don't know that we're mathematically eliminated, but like it's just adding nails to the coffin. It's not the last one, but there's several <laughs> there already. Yeah. Do and you think Phil calls this uh, the last 
the last least most must win <laughs> in his Verde all day. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a fill line. <laughs> uh, coming, let's let's move forward a few days to LAFC. So they're coming to town on Saturday. That one's also at seven thirty. They have one win in their last eight, and so also in pretty poor form. But like we looking at their roster, we know they have the talent to beat anybody uh, on on the night. And so I was kind of hoping that by the time this game came around, that they would be comfortably in second place, uh, but not able to catch St. Louis. And so not really anything to play for. Not the case at this point. They are in fourth place, only a point above fifth place. And so they're fighting to keep their home field advantage in the playoffs at this point. And so they should be motivated as well with three games to go. They can't really afford to to lose multiple in this stretch or someone could very easily surpass them and, and take that home field advantage away from them. And so, I mean, yeah, I don't, like we, we've surprised LAFC before and I know they're in poor form, but again, it just feels so unlikely at this point. Maybe they'll win against Minnesota on Wednesday and wrap it up and be comfortable. They'll come to Austin. They'll have too many tacos. They'll take it easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, we'll see if that happens. I'm not going to I'm not going to place bets on that one, but <laughs> after this LAFC game, there's as I said before, there's 2 weeks until decision day due to the international break, which so is so stupid. There's like <laughs> a pretty good chance that there's not going to be anything to decide for Austin on decision day, right? And so like it might be uh, a spiritually early off season for us after this LAFC game. Um, and like that, it's going to be a pretty sad final day of the season in that case. Yeah. Uh, this, this falls international windows are so wild, right? Like we've got this one separating the, uh, the last match of the regular season. And then after the first round of the playoffs, there's another international window, uh, separating that from the second round of the playoffs. You know, because in my head, uh, I am still planning for us to go on an unbelievable end of season streak that defies logic, that defies expectation. And here we go, baby, uh, all the way straight to the MLS Cup, you know, first nine seed to do it. And so <laughs> I like have been looking at kind of the way the schedule has shaked out, shaken out. And the end of this year is crazy. Like, yeah, I mean, decision day is often crazy, but I don't I don't know. I don't feel like it's going to be too crazy for Austin fans, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to be in San Jose uh, for that match. For Are you really? Decision day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, there was a Southwest sale. Uh, the, the tickets were 50 percent off and it made it it made my trip to Vegas the next day cheaper to go to San Jose first. All right. And so uh, Austin to San Jose to Vegas for planes was cheaper than Austin to Vegas. And so I said, well, I guess I'm going to uh, watch the end of the season in San Jose. I guess if Austin has nothing to play for, you can just go and have a nice day out at the, at the field. <laughs> I mean, either way, no it's going to be a nice day. I, I get to watch the boys. You know, I get to I get to watch the team I've spent so much time rooting for. So. I'm going like, pure vibes uh, I love your for attitude, that, Mike. 
<laughs> All right, let's take another break and then we'll come back and talk about Austin FC2, the the only only light left in our lives. <laughs> Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Covert Ford. The Coverts have been meeting the needs of local car, car buyers for 114 years because of their service, financial expertise, and support after the sale. In addition to supporting car buyers, Covert's an important part of the soccer community and the official automotive partner of Austin FC. Right now, you can unlock huge savings with up to $13,486 off the 2023 Ford F-150 XLT at Covert Ford Lincoln. Discover the epitome of strength and elegance with the 2023 Ford F-150 XLT. Don't just meet standards, Landon. Exceed them. And exceed them with a truck that's built for champions like you. Disclaimer, SK number 2230514. Offers valid only with approved credit through Ford Credit. Not everyone will qualify for factory pricing. Manufacturer rebate is restricted to Texas residents. Any customer not meeting the residency restriction will receive a dealer discount in the same amount as the factory rebate. Offers valid only for specific stock number while supplies last. See your, detail see your dealer for details. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, be sure to check out covertford.com. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Realty. Thanks to Sage Wilson Realty, we'll be giving away two tickets to an upcoming match. So fill out the form in the show notes to enter for your chance to win. Again, this is made possible by Sage Wilson Realty. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Realty. Be sure to check them out online at sagewilson.com. All right, we are back. We're here to talk Austin FC 2. So they recently beat Sporting Kansas City 2, 2-0. We're, we're going to cover that match and then kind of what the rest of the playoffs look like. Before that, we have a couple of pieces of Austin FC 2 and Academy News. So last week, I think the day the last show came out, Damian Loss and Joe Hafferty were both named to the MLS Next Pro Best 11 for the season, which is really cool to see those guys Get uh, get recognized like that. Damian Loss is also named goalkeeper of the year. He and was so, also awarded save of the year. That's right. Yeah, Twitter vote there, which like uh, grain of salt with with how Austin fans come out in droves for Twitter polls. But I think the other ones are actually voted on by by not Twitter polls. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying, uh, Damian save was great, and he it was a good that. save. Nothing against that save at all. So, and it's uh, is, funny. Is, I didn't even think that was his best save of the year. I didn't think so either. <laughs> uh, but like, it to me, it was more indicative of like I know the save that I would have picked was absolutely the best save of the year. Yeah. Easy vote. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anybody else quickly that you like think should have been on this team in place of one of the Austin players? Like another uh, Austin player you thought was more deserving than one of these two guys? I think both of them are super deserving of their spots. Uh, I think it depends on what you are like looking at MLS Next Pro as being, right? Uh, if you are judging everyone on like this is the performances that they put in all year, Damien and Joe make perfect sense. If it is a where could this guy go next? I think I might have different, uh, I might have one different pick. You know, I might, I might keep Damien and sub in a different player. Uh, but that's not, you know, 
That's yeah, I think you have, you have to go for, for the best performances, right? Yeah. And I, I think the only other player that would maybe sneak in there is uh, Sal Mazzaferro. Yeah, exactly. It's, he's so good for this team all year, like unflappable, just really, really important. I think Joe maybe uh, ekes it out for the fact that he did it in two different positions um, and was in a bit more of a two-way role. And he had the captain's armband. That's right. Know? Yeah. Uh, like leading that team that clearly had a mentality through the whole season that was un- unflappable to your, to use your word, right? Like Joe has a, has a large responsibility in making sure that that happens. And so I think it's justifiable, but Sal was my, uh, was my other guy. Yeah. So, okay. Going back to the, oh no, one other piece of Academy news. So Vigo Ortiz gets uh, another call up to the U15 Mexican youth national team. I think he's been in with them a few times at this point and they're, they're getting prepped for some competitions coming up here. So uh, cool to see him getting repeated call-ups. These are, these are no longer like we're, we're testing out a lot of players. Like these are like solidifying their team for the next year or so. And so it's, it's cool to see him getting those call-ups and, and still being part of the conversation there. Uh, let's go back to the sporting Kansas city versus Austin FC game. So I think last show, we didn't know who Austin was going to be playing. We're still hoping that maybe they would get home playoff game. Uh, but because of the format, which is the first, uh, first seed gets a buy seeds two and three pick their own opponent austin fc was that fourth seed we're kind of hoping nobody would pick them we'd get a home playoff game we get to play whoever was left over of the the unpicked uh unpicked teams uh sporting kansas city comes out right out of the gate picks austin fc to play and not just picks austin fc to play but does it with uh what ended up being some prime bulletin board material (laughs) Yeah, so Benny Failhaber gets quoted and it got repeated a dozen times throughout the <laughs> broadcast with saying scared money don't make money. Um which ended with when Austin FC scored their second goal of this game, all of the players <laughs> running to the corner and making money sign various money signs with their hands. Yeah, making it say, rain, like, like referencing at the coach like <laughs> <laughs> which I like I said this earlier in the week on Twitter that I think part of the beauty of this choose your own opponent structure is that it's this instant injection of, of rivalry and pettiness into every game that's happening. Because if you get picked, then you're saying this team doesn't think we can beat them. And you just have that chip on your shoulder. If you, if you're one of the leftovers, then you're like, Nobody thought that we were a worthy opponent. We're going <laughs> to, it's like, regardless of what happens, no matter what, like the one team's going to have a chip on their shoulder. Even if there's no history between these teams, there's no like real rivalry. There is now because yeah. of what just happened. And this is like a clear, uh, like a clear portrait of that. And especially because like, I know it's like a, a quotable thing that Benny Philhaber said, but I didn't read it as like disrespectful to Austin, right? No, <laughs> not at all. Uh, but it did. It, I mean, it did make a you know, like an immediate impact. Clearly, 
<laughs> yeah, even if the the scared money don't make money line wasn't disrespectful, picking them was in a sense, right? To say like you're in a bad run of form, which I I like I don't blame him because Austin hasn't looked great the last little stretch yeah. of the season. So have some players missing, have some players up with the first team. Um, yeah, let's pick this out of form team who isn't the same the same creatures they was in at the beginning of the year, but this really was probably the strongest starting 11 that Efesito's put out in um, like one or two months, probably due to injuries and national team call-ups and a combination of all of the above. But Charlie Asensio started, he's been out two separate times with injuries. David Rodriguez missed, missed like eight or 10 games or something with injuries. And he was back. Uh, but starting those guys with Valentin Noel on the field with Micah Burton still here from national team camp uh, with, check Torre there with uh because charlie's in the game not having to kind of shuffle guys around to make a, a proper back line like it's a decent like a good back yeah. line and charlie looked good like yeah i think he you know i think he is a leader on the next pro squad for sure in his play style and he's definitely not afraid to get up into the attack and like yeah. give give more options right which we knew when he signed with Austin that that was like part of his makeup. Uh, I remember when we originally signed him, Josh Wolf was quoted as saying, yeah, he's training with the wingers because we think he's a winger, not a fullback. And then here he is with Austin FC two playing as a fullback, but looking a lot like a winger. Yeah. And it, you see, I know Anthony DeAnda has been getting a lot of minutes lately and 17 year old, a lot of upside, like as promising as he is, like the, the, uh, like the maturity and the experience of a player like Charlie Sincio really shows through in a game like this. And I think we see this later in the game. I'll come back to this point, but about kind of like maturity on the field, but talking about David Rodriguez. He's been back for a few games now, but this game was really the first time where I was like, okay, this is the guy we saw at the beginning of the season where yeah, when he gets the ball fearless. out on the wing, he's fearless and the guys he's running at are fearful. Like <laughs> they should be scared because yeah. he's just going to run straight at you and make you make a decision. And so the first goal comes from David Rodriguez. Uh, it's, I think it's transition moment or we're playing out of the back either way. It's kind of like a scrambly moment where we kind of break out of a press situation and David Rodriguez gets it out on the right wing. He's out in transition and off running. He's got two defenders kind of back in the box and a couple of players on the backside. As he approaches the box, Sebastian Pino makes a really smart run kind of across the face of Rodriguez towards that near post and it pulls a defender with him just long enough to, to give Rodriguez that space to get a shot off with his left foot. And it's one of those where he's the angle and kind of the position of where he is. You think like, okay, he's going to look far post, like far corner. That's what he's going to try to hit a curler and kind of gives the eyes and then just hits a, like a laser near post. And it, it confuses the keeper and he's able to sneak it in right there, but hits it really well. Um, really good take by him but also a smart movement from pino to kind of help make that space for him a few minutes after that he gets another breakaway chance uh on i think he like steals the ball and is off and there's like maybe one defender back 
he's got two guys backside and he tr- he goes for the shot again where and this is a, a moment where an easy little layoff to <laughs> Noel and I can't remember who was standing backside with him but uh they were both yelling at him after this one and luckily that one didn't matter I was afraid that one was going to come back and and bite them and for us, yeah. not getting that second goal in that moment uh luckily it didn't matter in the 86 minute there's there's been some subs um and David Rodriguez is involved in this the second goal as well. They break the press. Rodriguez gets it on the right side, plays a really nice kind of like lofted and curled ball over two defenders into space for uh, Alfonso Campo Chavez to run onto. This and first touch on this pass is just so filthy when he pulls yeah. it back. Whew. Oh, but even before that, though, so the ball kind of falls into his path, but it's moving pretty slowly. Yes. And it's, and it's like, one of those where like you'd almost expect him to like bring the ball to his feet and turn so he could face up the defender. But instead, he kind of just like it's one of those where you kind of like pivot your hips and let the ball run past you and just lets the ball's momentum carry it into the box and then brings it down and takes like that backwards touch around a defender and the defender lunges and steps on his foot and goes down, draws the penalty. But really, like, really silky little move from AOC there and a really nice pass to set him up from Rodriguez before that. Uh, but there's there's a little scuffle around who's going to take the penalty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bobo C. Viralonga little... gets really upset. That, no, it's EJ Johnson. Yeah, it was EJ. EJ. EJ had the ball. He had put the ball down. And then... And uh, EJ had did... been on for, like, three minutes. I think he has two goals this year. I don't know why he was so upset about it. He was convinced it was his though. But uh, Alonso Ramirez has taken most of the penalties this year. And I think he's scored all of them. Uh, And (laughs) so I don't, I don't understand what it was, but he buries this one. They go up two nil. This is where we get the money celebration. Uh, But as soon as the celebration happens, uh, you can tell EJ doesn't care anymore. Uh, yeah, immediately. He's over he's, there celebrating, which I love. Yeah, he's he's throwing money too, uh, yeah. right away. Yeah, you love to see that. Like, be a competitor, but also have your team teammates back whenever yes. it comes time. Um, talking about kind of the maturity on the field, Micah Burton had a decent game, but was making some like kind of silly defensive decisions later in the game. It seemed very FIFA to me where he's like <laughs> frustrated and, and you take it out by using a slide tackle when it's completely unnecessary. And like, yeah. so they pulled him out. We're able to get on. I think they put on EJ Johnson there. Uh, they pulled Steve Louis Jean, who is a 19 year old central midfielder, put on Bobo Sibiranga at halftime. And I thought Bobo did a good job of kind of like taking a bit more control of the game. Yeah. Settling. And it. so, there's been so often recently where we were ending the game with like a few teenagers on the field, some guys who haven't played a lot of minutes. And I'm I'm almost curious if that was the decision to start Steve Louis Jean over Bobo. So you can have some experience to bring on later. I, maybe it's something else, but you look at the, like the roster that ended the game and there's no super young players on the field. And I kind of think that showed like these guys knew how to kind of ride it out a little bit and they pull off the guys who are making rash uh inexperienced decisions and put on some guys who weren't going to do that and i think that kind of helped them see this game out in the end i also think those guys just have like those buckets of energy that you need 
at the start of a match to to match the other the other team's intensity, right? Uh, yeah. Something that I think we see a lot in first team matches is it seems like everyone's faster than us a lot of the time. And if you've got these kids with this energy, uh, that can kind of counteract that some, but they might burn out uh, by the half. And then once they're physically at that point, those mental uh, spaces start to be a little bit harder to navigate. Right. Uh, So uh, it's probably both uh, in a like, certain helpings right yeah good learning moments for these young guys though to yeah like i i'm sure the coaching staff are taking them aside and saying like hey in this moment like this isn't helpful i know right. like what you're feeling and what you're thinking but like this isn't good for the team like think twice next time and like that, that's what this this league is for right it's like yes. getting these guys experience in these moments so um what comes next for austin fc2 once again we're recording this on a Monday night. They're going to release the next matchups on Tuesday. I think it was late morning, early afternoon last week when they did it. So by the time you're hearing this, you may already know. But Colorado, because they finished first in the West, they'll get to choose their opponent from the winners of this whole first round. I believe they're not allowed to choose Tacoma Defiance, who were the second seed. And so... Really, the only two options are we play Colorado if they pick us. If they don't pick us and they pick San Jose, then we'll play Tacoma. Both are going to be away no matter what. So this round is going to be away either in Washington or in Colorado. Uh, We'll find out on Tuesday. It will probably be Sunday night. Last week, we were the only Friday night game and all the rest were on Sunday. So I'm guessing they'll try to do mostly Sunday, but who knows? Um, As far as who's going to be available. I think there's a potential for having a few guys missing, right? So it is going into an international break. Micah Burton is supposed to be leaving for another camp with the national team. Uh, in press availability, Josh Wolf told Phil West that he sees Damian Loss as the number two with the first team. And so if travel schedule doesn't allow for Damian Loss to both be here against LAFC and in Colorado or Washington for the second team, there's a chance that Damian Loss isn't available for this playoff game either. I don't know. I think I think they do exactly what they did with him against Sporting Kansas City. And as soon as the match is over, they fly him to the next game. Uh, I uh, yeah. Mean, I think they'll do it if it's possible, but I could see a scenario for whatever reason that it's going to be hard to get him there. But um, I hope I hope it's possible. And like I, I've said this multiple times over the last couple of months that I th- like I'm fine with them making decisions that benefit the first team, even if it hurts Same. the second team. But the goalkeeper is one where like I might be a little bit more flexible there because a goalkeeper needs to play games. A young goalkeeper needs to play games. And I think even if it's like at a level, that's maybe a bit below him. I think playing is better than sitting on the bench for the first team. I, I don't necessarily agree with that at every position, but for Damian loss specifically, I kind of do think that. So I really hope that there's a way for him to play in this game and be on the bench for the first team. Um, And like, like you said, they, they were able to do it this last week. 
hopefully they'll be able to do it this week, but there's, there's a chance in any yeah. case, like missing Micah is a guy who's been starting most of the games over the, the back half of the season, missing him will be, um, it, it'll change things a little bit. Right. Yes. I'm kind of thinking maybe, I don't know. What will we see? Maybe you move Noel back into that 10 position and start someone like, uh, EJ Johnson or Crystal Vela on the other wing there. Um, or if depending on how we want to set up against the other team, maybe play a more defensive midfield and leave Rodriguez and Noel on the wings and play, uh, Steve Louis Jean and Bobo as those dual tins in front of Alonso Ramirez. But I've got a spicy idea, Landon. Let's if we if we lose to DC on Wednesday, send CJ. Put CJ <laughs> on the wing uh for the playoff game. I think honestly, I think the value in competing in a playoff game within the system in a high pressure environment against the best team in MLS next pro or the two seed. Uh, Cause Tacoma, you know, they have like decades of being good at this. You know, there's like a real value in challenging some of these highest quality teams uh, for a player's development. And so if the first team doesn't need them uh, because we're knocked out of the playoffs officially or whatever, the second team does, and there's a value beyond, uh, you know, first team practice or whatever that you can get from a match like this. So I wonder if, let's say, so Austin FC2 wins this next round and goes into the next game. I don't, I kind of imagine they'll play through the international break, right? Yeah, I have no idea. I, uh, I would imagine, I don't know, I can't find anywhere that's, do you think here that we'll say, but if, if Austin FC, the first team is off, like why not send CJ down and get him a yeah. game on his off week? Do you think the MLS next pro, uh, league office has thought through whether they're going to play in the international break or not yet? I, I mean, at this point they would have had to, would I'm, they? I wouldn't be surprised if they haven't told anybody what they thought. <laughs> uh, but by this point they had to have like, scheduled it at least even if it's not on the internet anywhere they know <laughs> maybe you're right. all right any other austin fc2 thoughts mike uh they're the best team in the world and uh like i think i every time we talk about austin fc2 i think it's important to remind people that like they play scrimmages with the first team and get walloped all the time um and that's uh just kind of a fact but they're, you know, they're still developing and it's still fun to watch them and it's still fun to root for them. That's right. It's about to be academy season again, too. So I'm going to be out at the training center on Saturday morning, standing on a bucket again. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're And we're still doing this. Um, I think we said until the end of October that any written review that comes in this month we will be sending a five dollar donation to uh community first village so yeah help us out and we'll help out some other folks and then if you want to continue the conversation online come find us online at lviahero87 and jbentley underscore atx and then mike is at future 
X Skeleton everywhere. Everywhere. And then we are at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And then um, check out the Patreon. We still got stuff there. So we'll be sending out rewards as folks sign up there. And then check out Phil West's Substack, Verde All Day, where you can go to verdealldaysubstackcom slash Tower and get a 20% discount. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week to review these last two home matches. And then since we won't have a preview for the next game, we're hoping to have a fun interview for you guys. Then we'll cover any other news that happens. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. And I'm Mike Craniola. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Think for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my God.